We pray for the rain, don't we? Lord, send the rain. Amen. It was a blessing. We met a lot of people, and uh, we, were give, we were allowed to give away popcorn. We gave away bags and bags and bags of popcorn. And uh, some people were multiple recipients of the popcorn, but that's okay. Amen. And uh, it was good to feel the presence of the Lord there as we ministered in fellowship. Amen. Fellowship is wonderful. Amen. Fellowship is a blessing to be with God's people. Amen. Amen. Praise God. While you're standing and, and you have your Bibles, not right now, but Mark. Amen. While you're standing and you have your Bibles, if you turn to the book of Genesis, Amen. Praise God. Genesis chapter 28. So good to see Adlai's family here today. Amen. Amen. Beth and Bill Bird. Amen. I believe that's and Alexa, Alexia Hill, glad to have them here today. Amen. It's a blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. In the book of Genesis chapter 28, and we're going to read from verse 18, 19, 20, 21, and 22. Verse 18 says, And Jacob rose up early in the morning and took the stone that he had put for his pillows and set it up for a pillar and poured oil on the top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel, but the name of the city was called Luz at the first. And Jacob vowed a vow saying, if God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on. So that I come again to my father's house in peace, then shall the Lord be my God. And this stone which I have set for a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give the tenth unto me, thee. Amen. Everyone said amen. amen. You may be seated in Jesus' name. Appreciate my wife uh, this morning teaching on creation. Amen. She's a very good teacher, keeps things interesting, has lots of stories, amen, and uh, I love and appreciate her. This is our 32nd year to be married, and it's, uh, amen, and it is a blessing, amen. Uh, we taught on Wednesday night some some people have marriages that they endure, but it's not an endurance with my wife. Amen. It's a blessing. Amen. And uh, the Lord has put us together. She tells about those stories of South Florida. I recall the first time that one of those hurricanes came through or was approaching. You know, they start telling you when the hurricane's a thousand miles away. And they start giving these updates, 
hourly updates and people go to the store and they buy all the water and they buy all the bread and they buy it's just uh, it's it's kind of crazy and uh, people gas their cars up and they're expecting uh, life to suddenly go back to the 19th century because you lose all electricity and uh, so we started getting these reports my wife said we're going down the storm is getting closer now. You see the trajectory, and it's been projected, and, uh, you know, suddenly now you are in the path. And she said, we're going to uh, pack up and go to the shelter. And I said, well, goodbye. She said, what do you mean, goodbye? And I said, you can go, but I'm not going. She said, no, there is a Category 4 storm coming. And it's coming right at us. And I said, yeah. <laughs> and she said, we need to get down there to the shelter. And I said, well, you can go. I'm not going to stop you. But I'm not going. I said, in that shelter is going to be everybody and their dog and cat and their parakeet. And I said, I'll take my chances right here. <laughs> I said, this house is pretty new. It's built under a recent hurricane code. I said, so if this house blows down, well, the state's going to go, I'm pretty sure. So I said, uh, uh, we're, we're, so Sister Arthur was not very happy with me on that particular day. So she says, well, it's going to be like the Titanic. <laughs> so she moved everything, and we had a big walk-in closet. And she moved everything that we owned and some mattresses into that walk-in closet. She said, the kids and I are staying in the walk-in closet, and you're going to be on the outside. And when the storm hits and everything floats away, it's going to be like the Titanic. You're, it's the uh, women and children are going to be saved, and the men, you're going to be lost. <laughs> I just laughed at her, and I said, okay. Well, I'll take my chances with the kayaks out here. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, I had to tread water. She, she was not very generous to me. I was going to tread water. I wasn't even going to get a kayak that particular day. <laughs> I don't know. It was going to be like Noah, maybe in the flood. I don't know. I couldn't, didn't know what she was expecting. And uh, so the storm hit. Yes, and they did. They start powering things down because they don't want it to blow out all the transformers. So they just pulled everything down, and as much as they can. And so we lost power. We didn't have coffee that morning, and we didn't get up early enough. Well, they shut it off about midnight that night, and, and uh, so everything got the shutters on the windows, and everything's dark. And I said to my wife, I said, uh, "Well, you can come out of the closet now." <laughs> I said, the storm has passed over and the eye is outside. We're right in the middle of it. And I said, it's calm and peaceful. We can go out for a few minutes. So we opened the front door, went outside, and it was kind of this eerie light. It was light out, but you couldn't see the sun. It was just kind of a haze, but everything was perfectly calm. And then I felt a little gust of wind, and I said, we better get back inside because now the storm is moving on. And that was our first storm. And uh, the other three storms, she didn't put everything in the closet. And she said I could uh, actually be a part of the kayak and get on the kayak. And I, 
said, well, as you can see, the state did not blow away. And, uh, you know, but here's the thing, going to those shelters, uh, that portion of Florida is about five feet above sea level. And uh, so when you go to those shelters and the electricity uh, stops, that means that most of the pumps stop pumping water and it has to pump sewage and all that. So you can imagine if you have 500 people living in a place and the bathrooms, yeah, anyhow, we'll just continue on. And it's just, uh, I said, I'll take my chances here. And uh, here we are. Here we are, uh, I don't know, 15 years later or whatever, and, uh, and uh, the Lord's blessed us. We've been blessed. And, uh, but she is a great teacher and, and taught about all those things this morning in the, in the book of Genesis. But we find this, this portion of Scripture here in Genesis, these two men. Now, you've heard these men named. Uh, one was named Esau, and the other is named Jacob. And these two individuals were different as water and oil or day and night. As they came from the same family, but they're, they're completely different in their makeup and their thought patterns and their actions and how they lived. And, but there was something that's so very specific about Jacob that Esau did not have. Now, as far as individuals, I think I would have rather done business with Esau than Jacob. Uh, specifically because uh, the Bible calls him Jacob, and that's the name that was given to him by his family. And that Jacob name means actually a con artist. Now, I know we have a lot of people named Jacob in, in the world today, and I'm not trying to uh, get them to doubt their name, but that's what that name actually means. It means surplanter. It means someone who will take advantage of you. And uh, Esau's name uh, has another... Uh, more bold meaning uh, that uh, Jacob's name does not. But the, the, the names, regardless, these individuals uh, are in this same particular family. It's interesting. I watch people, how they come up in the, the same family, and one child has a heart for God, and another child doesn't seem to have a heart for God. I'm so grateful that I've had a heart for God since I was very young. Having a heart for God doesn't mean that you walk in perfection. It means that you think about God and His mercy and His righteousness and His goodness. It doesn't mean that you are uh, perfect from your mother's womb. It means that you reach out to God in times of desperation rather than depending on yourself. And this, that's these two men, these two sons of, of Isaac and Rebekah, the, these Boys that grew up together. One, the scripture says, liked to hang out in the house with his mother. And the other wanted to hang out outside. And uh, he liked to hunt. And he was a, a man of the field. And, but Jacob was not that way. But there was something even more particular about them. Jacob, it seemed, had a heart to pray and a heart to seek after God. Whereas Esau, we don't find, not one time in the scripture does he really pray in repentance. He gets angry and he cries out because he lost something, because something was taken away from him because of his actions. But he doesn't truly cry out with a heart of repentance to God. We see here this story that we read to you in this verse 18 through 22 about how that 
Jacob is running for his life from his brother after he tricked his brother with the assistance of his mother in taking the blessing that his father was, had, was going to give to the oldest. And he finagled and, and maneuvered so that he could receive the blessing rather than his brother Esau. There's, there's, the scripture says that his mother said, you better get out of here now because before, when your father dies, your brother's going to try to kill you. He's on his way to his uncle's place, his mother's brother, and to Padanaram. That's where he's on his way to. And he's, he's running for his life. And the Bible says he becomes tired and he stops at a certain place and the sun is going down and he prepares himself a little fort. He guards himself. There's animals, and then he's not sure of of the people around, and he's exhausted. And the Bible says he lays down, and he dreamed a dream in verse 12 of chapter 28 that this dream said there was a ladder that went up to heaven, and behold, angels of God were ascending and descending. Now here, this dream that God gives to Jacob, he's speaking to his heart. You see, when God gives you something he's going to speak of himself to you he's going to lead you and guide you Uh, there was a word that sister arthur used that was in the lesson today and the word that's very common in our world today it's called random it's randomness but you see that word means haphazard without any specific goal with no nothing in mind it just wanders aimlessly and blunders around That's not how God works. But God gives you a plan. He sticks to the plan. He works the plan. God spoke the worlds into existence. He said, let there be light. And there was light. God is a God that has a plan. And He works the plan in our lives. He's not haphazard. He doesn't just roam around saying, well, I'll do this over here for a little bit and I'll do that over there. God has had a plan from the very beginning, from the foundation of the world. There was a lamb slain. There was was one that was going to go to the cross that died for my sins. God's always had a plan. He's got a plan for your life. Your life is not in randomness. Your life is not... You may have failed many times, and failure is good. Failure gives us some understanding. Uh, we should allow our children to fail. We should allow them to struggle. We should allow them to, to, uh, to uh, work out their salvation in life, so to speak. Amen. And so we look at this plan here, and, we, and it's all bad, and it seems dark clouds are hanging over Jacob. I want you to know today, if you're struggling, uh, look for the blessing in the struggle. Look for the positive in the midst of a negative world. Look for the sunlight where there are dark clouds everywhere. All you need is a little ray of sunshine to turn the world in your life around. And here, God gives a ray of sunshine to this man named Jacob. He's on his way to meet a people that he doesn't know. He's never met them that I'm aware of. He's related to them by blood through his mother, but he doesn't know them. He's going to a strange land. He didn't grow up in this place, and he's perhaps fearful, and he's struggling, and he's going through this trial. But God gives a word for him. He gives him a word of encouragement. And behold, the Lord stood in verse 13 and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, thy father, and the God of Isaac, the land whereon thou liest. 
to thee will I give it to thy seed, and thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth, and thou shalt spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south, and in thee and in thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. This is the same promise that God had given to Jacob's grandfather, Abraham. You see, he was carrying on that anointing. It's it's one thing to attend church. It's one thing to be filled with God's Spirit. It's one thing to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost and to be around church. It's another thing to grasp hold of the promises and the anointing of God. Do you respect the anointing that God has laid upon your heart to not just enjoy it for a season and enjoy the presence of the Lord as we worship and magnify His name, but Do you enjoy it uh, to the extent that God, you say, uh, I want you to bless me with the same blessing uh, that you gave to my father and my grandfather. You see, because this same promise that God gives to Jacob, he had already given it to Isaac as well as his grandfather Abraham. You see, we are carriers of something in our life. We are holders of this anointing and this dream. Esau never grasped what he could have had, who his parents were, who his grandparents were. You see, we have an anointing and something we hold dear. It's not what we have just right now. It's not just for the temporary. It's not just for the moment. But it's for a powerful future that God has given given to us you see Jacob's father had prayed a blessing and Jacob in verse 28 chapter 1 chapter 28 verse 1 and Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and charged him he gave a charge or instructed him and said unto him thou shalt not take a wife of the daughters of Canaan in other words you're not like the people around you there's something special and different around you marry someone that is like you marry into the tribe of those individuals that have a heart for God someone who has a hunger and a desire to seek after the presence of God. It's not just falling in love with somebody or anyone or or someone that wanders into your life. It's finding that person who has a heart for God like you have a heart for God. This is something that we perpetuate on. And he said, Arise and go to Padanaram, to the house of Bethuel, thy mother's father, and take thee a wife from thence of the daughters of Laban, my mother's, thy mother's brother. And God Almighty bless thee and make thee fruitful and multiply thee, that thou mayest be a multitude of people and give thee the blessing of Abraham to thee and to thy seed with thee, and thou mayest inherit the land wherein thou art a stranger which God gave unto Abraham. Now his father is giving to him a blessing, but you see it has to be anointed and confirmed by God. Men can speak an anointing prophecy over you, but when God confirms the anointing and God confirms the prophecy, I'm speaking to someone's heart. I don't know how long you'll serve God. I don't know long how long you'll stay in church, but if you can grasp hold of the anointing and the power of God, it will go from generation to generation. That's what we're looking for. 
It's, not, it's just not the here and now. It's just not the temporary that we're looking for. We're looking for something that will continue on. I, I, I think of Uzzah in 2 Samuel chapter 6, and I think it's verse 6. The Bible says that Uzzah, as the ark of God had been placed on a brand new cart, and that's not how it was supposed to be transported. It was supposed to be transported by the Levites, and these poles would uh, be placed into the rings that were on the ark of the, itself, and then it was to be covered with the uh, badger skins and these goat skins to protect the ark. And here it was to be carried, and they were supposed to be 75 feet uh, ahead of the rest of the nation of Israel. And that's how it was to be carried. But you see, it hadn't, the anointing hadn't been carried for such a long, long time that people forgot how to carry the anointing. We can go along in our religiosity and our, our sermons and our church attendance, but we've forgotten how to carry the anointing, that powerful Spirit of God. And we create an, a, 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 a new cart to place the ark upon, thinking this is good. We've got this new cart. It's brand new. And no one has ever used it for anything, but we're transporting the ark back to the place where we prepared to place it, uh, this ark that we will worship God there. We will sing songs and give praise to Him. The Bible says that when the ark was uh, on the, the road, the cart was on the road with the ark on it, uh, that it, the oxen stumbled. Maybe they hit a pothole in the ark uh, and the, the cart uh, went down to the side. The scripture says that Uzzah put out his hand to steady the ark, thinking, I'm going to help God out. I'm going to help God take care of things. You know, we can go along for a long, uh, a long while. Amen. We can go through the, the motions of serving God, of <clears throat> doing things that are, uh, we think would serve the benefit of the kingdom of God. And we can, uh, we can do a lot of things, but maybe God is really not pleased with it, but he doesn't say anything about it. He just lets you go on and, and do your own thing. Amen. Does anyone know what I'm talking about this morning? Are you getting what I'm playing down here in the preaching? And But God is really looking for an anointing because that anointing comes from him. He's not looking for the new uh, carts. He's not looking for what you can create. He's looking for the word of God. He's looking for his own spirit to live in people's heart and life. That's what he's looking for. God didn't say anything. We don't find in the scripture, it's not even conjectured or suppositionally placed there that God was upset about how the ark was placed on this new cart. That's not how he gave instructions to Moses, but he just let people do what they were doing. You know, God will let you do what you think you want to do for a while but God is going to have the last say amen it's God's word it's God's anointing it's God's blessing you see that's what he's looking for and as uh, as he placed his hand there thinking I'm going to help out here God suddenly struck us a dead Without warning, without any prelude, without any, uh, any, uh, there was no, we couldn't, can't find in the scripture where there's any warning 
given whatsoever. Just boom. That's the warning. Amen. You know, when God speaks, we should listen up and say, it's me, it's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. It's me, it's me, O oh Lord. Let my heart be drawn back to you. Uh, let my mind get back in the word of God. Uh, and let my, let my life become pleasing to you. Uh, let me make w- decisions with wisdom and understanding. Uh, oh God, uh, I don't want to go just through the motions of a religiosity. Uh, I don't want to go through the motions of saying uh, this is what we've been doing and God's pleased with it because this is what I've done. Uh, God knows necessarily and he showed us uh, here that he wasn't pleased with this new uh, cart Uh, he wasn't pleased with how the ark was placed upon it Uh, he said there's a way that I want you to do it uh, and that's the only way you're supposed to carry it Uh, oh brothers and sisters we want the word of God in 2021 uh, we want the word of God to be first and foremost in our life Uh, it's not a new plan Uh, it's not a new program Uh, it's not what we can do to show God look who I am and here I am and and what I'm doing Uh, but God, we want to submit our life to you. And, and Jacob here, he has this dream of the angels ascending and descending. And God says, I'm going to confirm what your father said to you. Amen. And Jacob woke up, verse 16, and Jacob waked out of his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place. And he was merciful because I wasn't aware. I was in my own thoughts. I was doing my own thing. I was running from for my own life. I, I was just, oh, I got to get out of here. But God has a plan. In other words, don't be afraid, Jacob. Nobody's going to lay a hand on you. I know you failed. I know you've made a, a massive blunder here that it seems life-altering and you can't, you can't figure out in your little mind how... This is going to be undone. Have you ever made a mistake, a failure that was over several years, maybe? Not just, I'm not talking about just you didn't balance your checkbook. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a massive blunder in your life. You see, this what this story that we talk about, Jacob and Esau, took place over a period of time. And now here, Jacob is enduring the consequences. Have you ever made decisions that you've had to endure the consequences of your actions? And you say, God, how is this going to be? How am I going to get myself out of this mess? How is this going to happen? I cannot see how it's going to work out. And so you're running for your life. Can I get a witness? Anybody been there? And this is what Jacob is feeling. You see, but there's something different about Jacob than just anyone that's enduring this. He knows God. And he says, surely the Lord is in this place. And I wasn't even aware. And he was afraid and said, how dreadful is this place? In other words, the presence of God is here. I must be respectful. This is none other but the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. The scripture says that Jacob rose up early in the morning and took the stone that he had put for his pillows and set it up for a pillar and poured oil upon the top of it. This, these stones that he had used to build himself a little protective fort. Now, I know it's the scripture says pillows, but you have to really read the Hebrew there. He's not saying that he rested his head on a stone. (laughs) There are stones that you can rest on, but uh, uh, that 
this is, he built himself a little uh, sanctuary. He was hiding in these stones. This was his bed. But then he took these same stones that he was creating for this, this sanctuary that he had made. And he said, I'm going to do something different. The first time we see in Jacob's life uh, that he builds an altar before God. You know, when there's an experience in your life, uh, then there's a disaster that has taken place and you're running for your life. You know what you need to do. You need to build an altar and say, God, uh, I'm running towards you. I'm running toward uh, your mercy. I'm running toward your grace. I'm running toward your power and your healing. Thank you, Lord, for receiving me. And he says here in verse 19, and he called the name of that place Bethel, house of God. El is God. Beth means house of. But the name of that city was called Luz at the first. And Jacob vowed a vow, saying, If God will be with me. Now, if you think of the book of Matthew, the first chapter and the 23rd verse, the Bible says that. The angel told Mary, thou shalt call his name Jesus. His name shall be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. When God's with you, who can be against you? When God's on your side, the whole world could be against you. And it really doesn't matter. You stand there with your hand in the hand of the Lord and say, God, you're with me. You're on my side. You're fighting my battles. I look at the, the man called Daniel. Daniel could have become an activist. He wasn't an activist. He became a prayer warrior. You can activate yourself against the government or against some other institution. I'm telling you, what you really need to do is get down on your knees and activate your prayer life and say, God, you see what's going on. You see the the disaster. You see the degradation of the culture and society that we're living in. I want to pray right now that God would hear our prayers. That's the power that we have. And he exerts this power in verse 20. He said, if God be with me, and God is with him, he says, God's here. And I will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on so that I come again. You see, he's praying a prayer. I know I'm running and leaving for my life, but I want to come back to this place because this is the place you gave to my grandfather. This is the place you gave to my father. And this is my place as well. I'm just leaving right now. It's temporary, but I'm coming back here because this is the land that you've given to me. This is the land you gave to my father and my grandfather. And I'm not leaving this land permanently. I'm not going someplace else. You see, the house of God is where you should stay. The people of God is who you should associate with. It's the anointing of God that you should cling hold to. Amen. He said, for this stone, in verse 22, this stone which I have set for a pillar shall be for God's house. This is a memorial. The Jews are always, uh, these religious individuals are always creating memorials. And we create memorials even in our own lives. But there are some memorials that are more special than others. Amen. You see this memorial. I've I've been to a Jewish cemetery and I see these rocks all atop the headstones, and that's a sign of respect. Someone will find a rock and 
And uh, I know you can put flowers, and the flowers will wither and die. But a rock, once you put it on the headstone, it usually stays there until somebody else removes it. And uh, you see all these headstones with these rocks all over it, especially if it's a large uh, a memorial, you'll see rocks of all sizes all over, especially if this person had, has done something and people respect and people remember. They find a rock and they put it there and they say, I remember what you did. And I, I, I want this is my memorial to you. I, I'm respecting your memory. I'm respecting what you did. Even though you can't hear, you can't see. You see, this is what Jacob is doing right now. Every time that somebody walks by this place, they're going to see this pillar and tower of rocks here they're going to ask questions who what's that memorial for who who set that that, that up there what they why did they build that what what was the occasion and that gives them an excuse to say to talk about God and, and what he has done you know you need to set memorials up in your life you need to set up things in your life where people walk by and people look at you you see we're, we're different from other people in the world we act different we look different we talk different different. Uh, we live different. Uh, and that's a memorial in and it's of itself uh, toward God. And when people ask uh, of the hope that lieth in you, uh, you say, yeah, I'm glad you're asked. I want to tell you what the good Lord's done for me. Uh, he picked me up uh, and he turned me around. Uh, he set my feet on solid ground. Uh, he saved me from the sin that I was in. Uh, he kept me when I, my life was in danger. Uh, I should have died. I should have been buried six feet under. Uh, but God has placed me in this place. Uh, he has put me here for a time that I can respond to your questions. He said, verse 21, so that I come again. He is an, has an expectation. He doesn't say, oh, God, please. He said, when I come again, I'm coming back here. God, you're keeping me alive because you're bringing me back here. I'm not going to be buried someplace else in some foreign, strange land. I'm going to be like that ancestor Joseph. He said, don't bury me here in Egypt. Don't leave me in this place. I know we're here and God's doing a work in our lives. But this is not where I want to stay. This is not my home. This is not my dream. This is not where the anointing is. Take me back where my family was promised that land and say, I want to be buried there. Put a memorial for me there. Hallelujah. Then shall the Lord be my God. And this stone which I have set for a pillar is going to be a memorial of the anointing that you have given to me. Amen. You see, we have to look for those anointing memorials in our life. Hallelujah. It's not just going through the motions. It's not just when you started this walk, perhaps you had some idea in your mind what it was to be a believer, what it meant meant to be but you see this is a lifestyle this is a I, I don't want to live any other way I, I have no ambition no desire to leave the church leave serving God I, I, I just love God's people I love the church I love worshiping God I love here I know last Sunday we didn't leave here till one o'clock and somebody looked at their watch and my goodness it's one o'clock already and I said well, ain't we having fun 
I said, well, we've been here since 8 o'clock this morning, and now it's 1 o'clock. Some people think that going to church is a one-hour, you know, you get there, you slide in the door, and you have a little sermonette for Christianettes, and you go back out the door. I I left here Wednesday night. It was 9 o'clock at night, and people were standing out in the parking lot talking, and they didn't act like they wanted to go home. I I walked through the gymnasium, and people were back there at 9 o'clock at night. You know, it's Wednesday, and they were just having fun. And I said, you know, it's a good thing when people hang out at the church and they don't act like they want to go home. There's something good that's going on at the church. I like it when people don't run away from, you know, okay, we've had service, got that done with, and head out the door. You know, I have been in service a time or two where we're flicking the lights, you know, Wednesday, you know. You know, we want to we go home. I do need to go look at my bed. <laughs> Amen. There's something about the anointing. I, you couldn't put your finger on it. You couldn't, put, you couldn't really give a reason why. But, you know, when there's an anointing and that's flowing between the people of God, there's something powerful about that. I just want to hang out around the anointing. Now, there are people I like to hang out with and other people I don't care much about hanging out with. But I, if you've got the anointing, I want to hang out with you because it gets me a little bit closer to God. That's who I really want to hang out with. And that's what Jacob here is saying. He said, I, I, you're going to be my God. Hallelujah. So when I come, when I come again, this plan that you've ordered in my life, I'm thinking, you know, even when it was Jacob and his mother that got this plan together to steal the blessing and had already made an agreement with his brother, he sold his blessing for a bowl of uh, pottage. You might today call it stew. It wasn't, you know, a stew is like the meals that Sister Arthur makes sometimes. They're, they're awesome meals, but I'll say, can you make that again? That was amazing. She said, well, I don't know. I, there was no recipe. I just found stuff in the refrigerator and in the cupboard and just put it all together. I said, well, whatever you want to call it, that was mm, good. You know, I, I don't know if you can replicate it or, or re- produce it again. You see, sometimes God does something in our life uh, that when it happens, you better grab on to it. It's not going to happen again quite like that way. I've had people say uh, in the vestibule or out in the parking lot, hey, pastor, can you pray for me? I said, well, you should have grabbed the blessing when we were inside uh, getting the blessing. You should have eaten when we we were around the master's table. I'm not sure that he's going to produce it quite like that again. I, I must have had a, my mother used to say, you must have a tapeworm. When I was about 15 years old, we would eat a meal and I'd come in. 30 minutes later and said, I'm hungry. What, what do you got to eat? And she said, well, I just finished cleaning up the dishes and putting everything away. And we, you can't really be hungry. And I said, yeah, I am. I'm, I'm, I could eat a whole nother meal now. You know, there's something about being in church. Or there's something about being in the presence of God. I, don't, I just want to gorge myself, so to speak, spiritually. I just want to feast in the presence of God. Amen. Sometimes you eat meals just to stay alive. And other meals, you look forward to them for weeks and weeks at a time. Amen. How many likes Thanksgiving time? You know, 
we all enjoy Thanksgiving and Christmas and those other special times. I, I, I always enjoyed my birthday, not because it was a, my birthday, yes, and I enjoyed that, but, but because I got to pick the meal in the house. That was the, one of the privileges. My mother said, I'll make anything you want on your birthday. Let's see here. What's my favorite meal? Amen. You know, and God does that to us every time we come to church. When we come to the house of the Lord and say, God, I'm here to worship you. And he, and he says, I'm going to prepare a special meal just for you. Amen. God prepares an anointing just for us. God makes a way just for us. When you love his anointing, I, I like to go to people's houses that like to cook. Amen. Amen. I, I, I think I seem to overdo it. Right, Brother Bruce? I just, I, I'm guilty. <laughs> I'm guilty. Amen. Because when the presence of the Lord is here, I just want to stay as long as I can to get his anointing. These two sons, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse Twelve, I think it is, that Esau sold his anointing for a bowl of soup. Amen. That anointing that gives us power, that gives us strength. Have you ever said, had anyone say to you, what is, there's something different about you and I'm not sure what it is. Have you ever had that happen to you? I've had that happen many times. And I'll say, well, I don't, I don't know. I we're speaking English, and I, you know, I, I don't know. But I, I, in back in my mind, I really know what it is. It's that anointing that they feel, that the presence of God. It's not me. It doesn't come from me. It doesn't it, it originate with me. It comes from God. That anointing. That anointing. The test that God was giving to Jacob here for his love for the anointing. Bible says that Jacob went on his journey. He went to Padan Aram. He spent a few years there and he came back. God blessed him abundantly, even though it looked like a disaster. You know, you're, the situation you're in, I don't know what you're going through, but the situation you're, you're in, if you'll trust and, and stay connected to God's anointing, he will bless you in the trial. He'll give you what you ask for. He will bless you. It's when we abandon the plan. It's when we say, God, I can't see it happening. This is all about faith. Sometimes, some people put faith way up here on this, this stratosphere. Oh, someday I'm going to have faith. This is all about faith. This is believing God for the everyday that God makes it happen even when you cannot see it happen. The Bible talks about Abraham. He said he spoke those things into existence. He called those things which were not as though they were all already in existence now I'm going to give you a little key here and I'm going to allow you to stand and we're going to be dismissed but I want you to pray those things into existence stop praying these negative prayers these prayers without power I told the church on Wednesday stop praying these prayer, prayers 
of, oh, God, do this for me. Oh, God, make me this way. Oh, God, will you? I said, stop begging God. You need, if you have the anointing, you speak it into existence. You say, God, I thank you for the blessings that you've given to me. God, I thank you for raising me up to sit me in heavenly places. God, I thank you for the health that you've given to me. God, I thank you for the financial blessings. Thank God in advance uh, for even when you don't see it, uh, God's got the messenger on the way uh, to bless you. Amen. Uh, he said, I'll take what you don't have and give you more. If you pray those prayers, God will come through for you. 